1: You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome everybody to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. Uh, I am back from my one day hiatus. Is that how you pronounce the word? I think that's how you pronounce the word. Uh, I really appreciate everybody on on Twitter, on social media, who, who reached out to say uh, to give support. I I greatly appreciate that. My family greatly appreciates that. Uh, I got to I got to prove to my dad that people actually know who I am. So that was kind of cool. Uh, thanks, Harrison, for for giving the shout out uh, on your show. Uh how are you hanging in there? How are you holding up?
1: I'm doing all right, man. Uh busy day today covering Defenders Media Day, but uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm hanging in there. It's not 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 a bad way to spend a day in LA. Yeah. Uh
0: we 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 are here to present a a nice distraction from everything that's going on. If you if you aren't thrilled about how the election went, great, you get to listen. If you are happy about how the election went, Great, you get to listen, you know, and stop paying attention to people who are really angry about the election. We are here. If you were thing.
1: hoping to get through this whole podcast without an election reference, sorry, that's too bad. You're you're the person that's going to be offended. So dang it, that's uh that's Anthony's bad. He he doesn't feel bad about it, but I apologize on my on his behalf.
0: Yeah, I really don't. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the show. As always, you can find the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Uh, Make sure you're using the promo code LOLakers on SeatGeek to get your $20 rebate. Today is going to be a reality check. Basically, the Lakers have been so fun and so exciting and they've actually won basketball games that I think some things that I don't think we necessarily have to worry about quite yet have popped up. Uh, But I do think there are some shortcomings in this team that haven't been spoken about because people are just so happy that the Lakers don't completely suck and that they don't outwardly hate the coach who who is at the helm. Let's go ahead. Turns
1: out there's a middle ground between championship favorite and worst team in the league.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the
1: Lakers, are, the Lakers are in that middle ground right now.
0: They're they're somewhere yeah, they're somewhere in between. Let's go ahead and start. I mentioned coaching a second ago. Let's start with Luke Walton and while, again, we are only eight games in, so everything that we're talking about right, right now, doesn't, it doesn't need to register on any kind of scale of panic, meet, or whatever. But there are some issues or some, some questions that I have so far. Regarding Luke, I think he waits a little bit too long to get the starters back into the game, uh, especially when you consider the fact that the starters tend to be the guys that the Lakers are hoping to build around moving forward, right? So you hope to get as many minutes as they possibly can. Uh, as it stands, nobody's playing more than 30 minutes. Do you think that's a good thing long-term, Harrison? Or do you think like somebody like Russell should be playing more than 30 minutes a game?
1: Yeah, Anthony, I think it's time to fire Luke Walton because he, <laughs> he clearly he was brought in to lead this youth movement, and he's just, no, nah, I'm just kidding. We aren't going to do Harrison's hot takes today. Um, so do I think it's a bad thing that the Lakers are playing – it, like no one's really playing over 30 minutes. I, I don't know that I think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I, I think that the, I think it's the patterns have been a little bit weird, uh, as far as rotations go. I think a common complaint that and one that uh, I agree with is that it is the way that Russell's being utilized, especially late in games, uh, being brought back a lot of the time with like six minutes or so left in the fourth quarter, which. I mean, it just seems like it's a long time to let him kind of chill down on the bench. And I know he 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 likes to have ice in his veins. And so, <laughs> you know, some people might argue that that helps. But I, I think you do get out of rhythm a little bit when you sit for that long. You sub out before the end of the third and then you sit until midway through the fourth and then you get sent back out there. I, I think that's making things a little bit tougher on him than necessarily they need to be.
0: Right, and the other thing too is, so Luke basically said, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically said, if you're playing well, you're going to get the minutes, right? And yep. my issue with that, and it's not really an issue, but but I guess ideologically, the the one, I'll go ahead and call it an issue, screw semantics, basically, if you're forced to, or if you if you think you're only going to play in those fourth minutes, if you're playing well during the game leading up to it, I, I think it's pretty easy, especially for a young player, to force the issue a little bit and you know try to maybe do things that they don't necessarily need to do uh, in order to get those minutes. And right now, Russell isn't shooting the ball very well. And I'm not saying that this is directly correlated to Luke Walton's you know decision to, to go to ride the hot hand in the fourth quarter. But if, if you eventually, if you, you know, anytime Russell misses a shot in the back of his mind, subconsciously, it's going to register as, oh, man, now I need to make another two shots so that I can show that, you know, I need to I need to play in that fourth quarter. Then he misses another one. Oh, man, now I need to make three more shots, you know, and, and it's It just kind of snowballs like that. And again, I'm not making any kind of excuse for Russell. I think there are some things that that you know, he minor tweaks that he needs to make. I'd like to see him hold his follow through up a little bit longer on his shot, uh, just to you know, just so he can get a better feel for for what's going on there. There are things that he can tweak to get minutes and play better. But I I don't think necessarily this is this is the way to help him. It it, it feels like something Byron would do.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the di- i think the difference and the reason why people don't have their pitchforks j- out just yet uh and are like rallying around Staples center asking for Luke Walton's head like they were with the former coach who you just got fined for mentioning ah, that's and um they uh i think the re- the main difference between the two situations is that Luke isn't out there in the press conferences after essentially saying d'angelo russell sucks that's why he wasn't in the game tonight Mm -hmm. and so i I think that there is there are semantics and the way that things are being framed at play here and then i also think that russell he he struggled with turnovers at times and i think again we're eight games into luke walton's coaching career as you mentioned i think these are things that you know you have to hope that he starts to figure out as uh You know, as the season goes along, as his coaching career goes along, as Russell starts to earn those minutes a little bit more, which I mean, you have to think he's going to shoot a little bit better. He's been missing a lot of open shots. He's a good shooter. Some of those are going to start to fall. And then all of a sudden, he's He like the issue of whether or not he or Lou Williams is playing better is a moot point because Russell's playing better than him. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't have to come down to he needs to play because he's younger, but he's just going to play because he deserves to play.
0: Right. And and the other thing, too, here, like you said, it's eight games in. There's There was no way, there was, there was no foreseeable way that Luke would have a feel for a completely brand new team eight games into a season.
1: I'm yeah, sure my, he's, he's, my thing is is you, you always have to wait ten games before you start <laughs> saying, like, let's fire a coach.
0: I, yeah, that's, that a like Yeah, a good
1: rule. a So he's got he's got two more games to figure it out.
0: The the other thing that I, I do think bear's mentioning here is how much better the communication is with this current administration than with the last one, where Jordan Clarkson said, you know, specifically that, yeah, he and Luke talked about it, and there I was. I was going to come off of the bench. And because he had that conversation with Luke, I'm sure he felt better about it than in his rookie year when all of a sudden he'd find himself on the bench and Ronnie Price was in the game, even though he was probably playing better than Ronnie Price because it's Ronnie effing Price, right? And with with D'Angelo, if he ever feels the need – like if you watch the the clip of Luke playing – you know playing defense today that the lakers tweeted out uh uh you know he's playing defense against the lakers bigs that was somebody who i would imagine you could have a conversation with russell could have a conversation with and say hey coach i i appreciate what you're trying to do with with this with the rotation that you're looking at and i know it's early but i think it probably would make a little bit more sense to get me in the game earlier so that when i get in or in those crucial moments i'm in a better rhythm than when I enter, you know, six minutes into that quarter, you know, and that communication is going to be key as this team figures itself out and as Luke Walton figures out how to coach them.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe Luke Walton in, in that instance might respond, all right, Ben, score on me, bro, because apparently that's <laughs> that's what he's doing after practice. I'm, he... I'm
0: going on the record and I'm saying that was a flop. The, the charge he took on Thomas Robinson was a flop. <laughs>
1: hey man he was a role player for a long time he knows how he knows how he has to get by <laughs> like you know
0: that's one of those things where because i i believe they had an assistant coach refereeing i didn't see it, he, whoever was refereeing because i heard a whistle they 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 made a call somebody made a call so <laughs> i think that's one of those situations where he kind of looks at his assistant coach beforehand gives him a weak wink, wink and says hey I'm going down here. Help me out, buddy. You know that uh, was—I don't think that it the uh, the contact that he took necessarily led to somebody who basically got shot with a shotgun.
1: And then this is the kind of stuff. Again, it's like this is why the Lakers like they're still fun this year. Mm -hmm. Even if again we're gonna we're gonna pick on a couple flaws. We're gonna pick a couple scabs today. Turns out the Lakers have flaws. Yeah, they they aren't perfect yet, but they are still very fun. We are not saying that, you know, anything, any gigantic changes need to be made. It's just that I, I think it's important to understand that this team does have real issues. And these are issues that we expected going into the year, but that we can't get too caught up in a three-game winning streak and just totally ignore any of the team's flaws. Like, the, 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 there's... This cognitive dissonance right now between the Lakers are really 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 fun and they're really good and they're doing all this good stuff and then it's like, and then we say on the out the other side of our mouths they're still going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And mm-hmm. so I think it is helpful to get into why that kind of stuff is still going to happen even as improved as they are.
0: And the other thing here too as to why Luke might be sticking with the benches they're producing yep they, they have the Lakers boast one of the best, most explosive, consistently explosive benches in the league
1: in and, terms of production and athleticism. <laughs> yeah, I mean Jordan Clarkson's a pretty good athlete and anyway, yeah Larry, so, Nance, Larry Nance Jr uh, needs a sense of flowers to David West family.
0: <laughs> so with with this bench I can I can see why you know you watch you watch a team go out there and play and if that bench comes in and does well, it's hard to pull them off of the court right especially for if if the bench comes in and and helps the starters out and gets a lead back or expands on the lead that's that's what you're looking for as a coach and when you see that you kind of want to you know reward them uh but i do think as the year goes along you want to hammer out rotations so that your starters know that you still have confidence in them even despite the bench, you know, potentially outplaying the other team's bench, because it isn't like that bench is going in there and outplaying the starters.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there have been times where they've outplayed groupings of the other team's starters, but overall, I, I, your statement is accurate.
0: Right. The next person or the next beef that I have with this awful Lakers team (laughs) is, is It This has been a topic now a few times on the show. And you can find all those shows on, on Audioboom and iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed and stuff. But one Review. Of the, yep. Leave us a review. Give, give us your hot takes. We, we are giving you ammunition to, to send us your hot takes. And, and Come on.
1: We know you guys can come up with just as good of hot takes as we can. I, I, I would hope better. No, I don't hope better. Because then that would mean you have our jobs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but with Luol Deng, he hasn't been good. He, he might be doing the mentorship stuff and, and the little things like Luke pointed to when he was asked about Luol, uh, about Luol and Timothy Moskov. He said that they're doing the little things that, that don't necessarily show up in the box score. But eventually you want stuff to show up in the box score if you're, if you're paying them as much money that, that they, the Lakers have invested in them. So Harrison, should the Lakers consider trading Luol Dang?
1: Um, I'm not sure that they'd be able to trade him right now with the way that he's looked eight games into this brand new contract. I think if they started calling teams, uh, those teams would be pretty wary about why the Lakers were looking to give up on him so quickly. They'd think that even besides the production, there was something going on, I would imagine.
0: Wait, that's that's not a statement of confidence in the guy you just signed?
1: No, it's like, hey, I mean, I think even if they send out that email with like, hey, Lou dang has been so good, it looks like you could use a good small forward. Let's make a trade. <laughs> that, so, <laughs> hey, could you just imagine like you just bought you just bought like a car,
0: right? Or, or well, like you and I when we go down to La Barca and, <laughs> for for lunch, and I get my soup or whatever I order there, and I as soon as the soup is put in front of me, I say, hey man, you want to trade meals? Like that probably – if the cook just happens to walk by right there, I'm not sure the cook would feel thrilled about me trying to trade away
1: the meal that he just put in front of me. Yeah, uh, and I would not trust what you were trying to offer me. I'll say that. My, you asked about my soup
0: last time we were No, there.
1: yeah. It looked good last time. But I, I just mean if you immediately offered your food to me the second it was like you took one bite, mm-hmm. I'd be a little worried. <laughs> And so I think that this would be the equivalent of that if the Lakers were trying to trade him. And I also think I, you'd never want to trade a guy when their value's at their lowest. And Lou Aldang's value is probably not at the lowest it's ever going to be on this contract because that's probably going to be the fourth year of it. But, I mean, and well, actually, maybe not because with four years remaining, uh, he really he has not been good for the Lakers so far this season. He is... Uh, out of the guys, he's actually, he's managed to have a 0.0 net rating so far. So that's uh, that's not bad, I guess. It's not good, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an, it's Noah Vitsa-Zubat's 35.6, but it, it's not bad. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, you know, he's had his moments. He's made a couple plays, but for the most part, he really has not had a strong start to the season at all.
0: Now... When they talk about the little things, I think that's where it shows up because based on the eye test would make you think that he would have a negative net rating, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I was expecting it to be much lower on the page. And
0: so when when Luke talks about the small things, it's those small things that lead him to play with these lineups that, okay, yes, they aren't su- successful statistically, but they also aren't disastrous Statistically, holy crap, that was a tough sentence to read.
1: How are you paid to talk? I don't, <laughs> I
0: don't know <laughs> I, I, I went to the Stutgart School of of <laughs> entertainment, but with with Lewall, the little things come in the, in, in the form of like when, he, when the Lakers played the Warriors, I thought the defense he played on Kevin Durant was really, really good, and that was the kind of stuff that they paid him to come to Los Angeles for in the first place. That was one of the frustrations I actually had went early in the season when Nick Young was guarding the other team's best player and Durant is a little bit better of a a matchup uh for Luol than he is for Nick so I could see why you know Luol would get that would get that call but he answered it and and uh Durant still had a great game but I thought Luol really made him work for it and then the other thing is production that he might have right now doesn't really mean anything. This Laker team, like we've said, I don't, I still don't think the playoffs are really within reach. So his production statistically, bold, what's bold that?
1: take. I know, I'm, bold take. I'm out here on a level. we. You know, we need to go back. We need to play the hot take sound effect. Mm-hmm. And all right, so here comes the hot take. Okay. So all
0: right. The Lakers will not make the playoffs this year. I'm sorry, everybody. That,
1: this was our worst segment ever. I apologize <laughs> to the viewers. We may just cut this. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, but anyway, we'll you you were talking about... So, you, you were saying the Lakers aren't going to make the playoffs this year. And
0: and the production that he has on a non-playoff team are nowhere near as valuable as what he's doing behind the scenes to mentor Brennan Ingram, right? And that And that, you know... Again, it's the, like Luke says, it's not going to show up in the in the stat books for Luol Dang, but as Ingram gets better, that's where it is going to show itself. And Ingram being a cornerstone for this for this Lakers team for this Lakers organization, it that matters a heck of a lot more. So it's early. Deng had injuries that he dealt with, uh, and and he is still kind of finding his way out there in this in the Lakers offense. It's kind of tough for a shooter to figure it out because they really don't have the ball as much and and it's tougher to get in a rhythm for for those kinds of players. So all these things kind of come together and and it makes you think, yeah, Dang hasn't been very good this year, but I I do think it's there, there's still plenty of reason to give him a lot more time.
1: Yeah, I mean you you have and the other thing too, this is what I mentioned on yesterday's show without you, was that the Lakers are in some ways, playing him out of position, right? Mm -hmm. Because he had most of his effect. He was very mediocre last year in Miami as a three. And that's where the Lakers are playing him almost exclusively. And And he is the
0: definition of mediocre if he has a net rating of zero.
1: Yeah, exactly. And he had most of his effectiveness playing as a small ball power forward and the Lakers, because of the way that their roster is constructed right now, don't have a ton of minutes for him there. They're trying to get Julius right and rightfully so trying to get Julius Randle and Larry Nance Jr. their time out on the floor maximized. Mm-hmm. And so I think in some ways it is a poor it's in a poor situation for him so far.
0: Do you Would you would you be okay with the Lakers maybe taking minutes away from Tarek Black so that you know, Randall or Nance can play more at the 5 and enable Deng to play more at the 4?
1: I'd be okay. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have any major problem. I don't think that that would be a major problem. I mean, I don't know how many more minutes you... I mean, I guess it's worked so well, you can see maybe if you can steal some more minutes with Randall at center, but... How much further you can push that before it starts to tilt in the direction of its hurting you, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I guess my my question overall is who do you think is more important to the Lakers, both near and distant future, Luol Dang or Tarek Black? And I, I would actually side because of Luol's contract with with Dang. They need to get a return on that investment a lot more than yeah. they need to figure out if if Tarek Black is Good enough to be a six, you know, a seventh or eighth man. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's really a question. Sorry, Tom. yeah.
1: I mean, hey, we know what we know what Tark Black is. He's an athletic role man who can defend the rim despite being a little undersized. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so that does it on the wall, Dang. Again, just to recap with, with Dang, I, I do think he, as frustrating as it's been to watch him play, and, and trust me, I, I'm as frustrated as anybody. I think there's plenty of time for him to turn it around and plenty of reason to think he will, right? I don't think and, – and, and this is going to be consistent with any of the issues that we have with this team here is there is no reason to give up hope on what these – what the Lakers, you know, any of these issues that we're going to talk about. There's no reason to think that those, these aren't, aren't fixable.
1: No, Yeah, they're totally fixable.
0: Absolutely. The next issue that we are going to bring up are the Lakers' turnovers, or, or their, their turnovers and, and shooting. Those have been, in terms of statistical issues that the Lakers have faced so far this year, it, those are the two things that really stick out. They are, where did you say they are in terms of turnovers? They are turning the ball over more than anybody else in the league, t- right?
1: Yeah, in terms of raw turnovers, they're turning the ball over uh, the third most of any team in the league. They're averaging seventeen point eight turnovers per game. Only the Nuggets, with uh, their very young Emmanuel Mudiay leading the show, and the Atlanta Hawks. I'm not really sure about that one. Schroeder, uh, he's, he's, ha- he's brand yeah, new. Be, yeah, Schroeder. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, the only Hawks game I've watched is when they played the Lakers. So um, they're actually
0: kind of fun to watch. You should check them out.
1: Yeah okay, thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, so the I'm not, not are... just to
0: you, like the fans. Like if you're out there and you just, if you're a basketball fan, they're kinda of fun to watch. I think Dwight Howard's a yeah. better fit for them than Al Horford.
1: The the Lakers have the third most turnovers in the league so far this year, <laughs> and that's been kind of a major issue for them. Yes.
0: And then the other one that, that uh we're gonna talk about here shortly is their three point shooting, right? And why don't you give the numbers yeah. on, on what's going on there?
1: So the Lakers are shooting 32.4% from three, which is the ninth worst shooting percentage in the league from that distance. And that wouldn't be as much of a problem for them. I mean, it's still not really a problem, but they're shooting the 10th most threes of any team in the league. So it's, uh, it's a case of, it's actually almost the opposite of last year where the Lakers were actually a pretty decent three point shooting team and they just barely took any. Mm-hmm. And they've somehow flipped that all the way around.
0: <laughs> I, all right, so let's so, let's tackle the turnovers. Are the Lakers first. worse?
1: With, yeah, <laughs> I, I think the Lakers are worse without Kobe. I think we can clear that now. Yeah, that's true. It's a sad, that's a sad truth.
0: But what's uh, it, it that's really for those who can't pick up sarcasm. We don't actually feel that way. Let's talk about yeah. the turnovers here. We know we we both think that it's a it's a fixable issue. Right. So that's where we'll start the conversation. How can they then fix it?
1: Well, I I think some of these turnover issues, you have to chalk it up to. so, So that was talking about raw turnovers. The Lakers are playing at the second fastest pace in the league. And so they're going to just get more turnovers by virtue of the fact that they're using more possessions than other teams. Mm-hmm. Their turnover ratio is actually not much better though. It's they're turning the ball over on 17.1% of their possessions, which is the fourth worst rate in the league. Mm-hmm. So the Rockets actually kind of jump in there once uh once you account for j- just overall ratio rather than raw turnovers. And so I-, I think some of it is having a young team. You know, you have a young backcourt with Russell and Clarkson and those guys. And the, and then yeah, Lou Williams isn't young, but he's not the greatest passer. And so you have that. and, and then he's,
0: And he's young. I think he's young to this. He's still only in the second year of playing in a role that they expect him to create for others. So while he might, he's in his, I think, did I see somewhere he's in his 12th year?
1: Um, I can look at that really quickly. I
0: think I saw that somewhere that he was he was in a, he was he's been in the NBA way longer than this that.
1: is his twelfth year in the league. Yeah,
0: yeah, holy cow! But so while he's been in the NBA for a dozen years, this is this is still a pretty new transition for him. And it's I mean the 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 adage right the age old cliche is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. While he may not be you know ancient, this is pretty late in the career to, to have such a different playing style.
1: Yeah, uh, and he's been a better passer, and then I think the other thing that you can chalk the turnovers up to, besides the speed and the youth of the roster, is that they're playing in a brand new system, and it's eight games into the season, mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I think that that kind of stuff was naturally going to happen, if it wasn't happening, then the Lakers would be, like, even more shockingly good, like, imagine how good they'd be if they were like savants and had just already completely picked up the offense and weren't having any turnover issues
0: i uh, luke walton would be would have been elected president yeah that, that's how that would have
1: worked out people uh, didn't read, not enough people read my article i guess <laughs>
0: so the the other thing that i was you you, you mentioned the system right and yes. specifically a play a play to me that happens at least two or three times per game during these Lakers during the beginning of this Lakers season is it's a it's a set that comes out of Princeton it's a, it's a it's a Princeton aspect basically a, a guard or somebody will dribble from the top of the key over to the wing and as they're making that as they're dribbling over an automatic back cut is supposed to occur and when that back cut is happening you know the you want the defender to think that it's a handoff coming up, and because that defender thinks it's a handoff coming up, they're going to to, to start playing towards the the coming screen and you whoever was there on the wing quickly darts to the baseline and you're so and and the the window for this pass to fit in there is tiny it's minute, and that's the kind of thing that you're only going to get better at with repetition. And that rhythm, it just isn't there right now. So, you know, at least two or three times a game so far, you're watching that play take place. And either the passes, the, the bounce was too low for the guy. It's, you know, behind them. It's ahead of them. You know, or it just doesn't happen at all. And the Lakers haven't, you know, they, they don't get to, to capitalize on on what should be a layup. So you know, as the Lakers continue to get better at the system and they're able to make counter punches to what defenses take away, these things are going to get better and for right now the the it's manifesting itself in turnovers that that look pretty bad in the moment but but really it's going to look good as the season goes along
1: yeah and I think the other part of the turnovers that you have to you have to you can blame the turnovers on is that Avitza zubots isn't playing enough. He is uh he has a turnover ratio of 0%. He has not <laughs> turned the ball over once. So, I think the Lakers found their new point guard.
0: Point Zubots.
1: Yeah, hilarious small sample size stat. Additional <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum is Jose Calderon has turned the ball over on 43.2% of his possessions so far. <laughs> Which he's played in three games and averaged 9.1 minutes per appearance. But holy crap is that bad.
0: <laughs> he, he should go by Jose Calderon
1: pass. Although, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna pick on him, we have to be fair. He has the highest true shooting percentage on the team at seventy six point five. So
0: basically, it's either a make or a
1: turnover. When he so really, Jose Calderon should just be gunning every time. I think that's <laughs> the that's the conclusion we've come to. Or no, I take that back. Not the highest. Zubats is at a hundred. So. <laughs> I Those small, two need to be playing more. Small sample size this is my favorite part of the. the, the I NBA love season. early season small sample size <laughs> sat, stats. It is the best thing ever. We're nerds. Uh,
0: let's talk about the shooting then. And I feel like a lot of the same reasons that we just gave for the turnover woes go into what's going on with their shooting. It, I, I think a lot of it, look, shooting requires rhythm. And you can't have
1: much rhythm if you're learning a brand new system. Yeah, I would. Sorry, I didn't realize you were handing off the baton to me. (laughs) But yeah, I think that makes it harder to get in rhythm because you don't necessarily you aren't always prepared for where you're getting the ball. You aren't always confident. Like, you know, I'm just ready to step into the shot because I've done it a million times. So I think I think that's part of it. I think the offense looks a little bit more stilted at times. You notice these guys are going up a lot more confidently when they're on the break because it's a scenario where they've done it, uh, you know, a million times.
0: That, what just happened there, that long pause, was us illustrating what happens with poor rhythm. So really, we were just making a point. And yeah, I,
1: that was a good metaphor on my part. That's exactly what was going on.
0: The other yeah. thing, too, with, with you know, when we talk about rhythm and, and such is, look, as a shooter, you expect to, you know, you, everybody has, you know, this, this step. I prefer to go off of a one, two, three, shooting style where i gather one raise up two release three it's very simple right and okay so
1: hold on one just sorry anthony mm-hmm. any kids listening i've seen anthony play basketball don't do this
0: <laughs> it use it works. once upon a time i swear i i've i've actually made baskets in my life so
1: I agree to disagree <laughs>
0: So with with shooters, right? If if you know, and, and that one two three, that's that's a count that would go on in my head. It was a one two three kind of kind of feel to it. And if you're not getting the ball when you expect it, and you have to rush any of those aspects of the shot, you know, if you if if it, if usually it's supposed to go, you know, one two three nicely spaced. But if it's one two three, you know, or one two three. You know, if that's if that's thrown off at all, then the shot probably isn't going to go in. And in the NBA, when you're dealing with athletes as great as they have, the window's already small, and you have to do things. You know, just imagine having to shoot over Brandon Ingram, and he's closing out on you, and he has a nine-foot standing reach, and he gets
1: to jump. I will have nightmares thinking of that tonight.
0: <laughs> right, and so it's already tough enough to score in the NBA. But if you're do if you're trying to score in the NBA. With poor rhythm that comes from learning a new offense, that becomes all the harder to do. So, while the the and it's and trust me, it, it, you know, like I said with Luol earlier, it's frustrating to watch because you see these shots and you say, "All right, that's that's makeable." He had plenty of time, and it clangs off of the rim. The initial response is to say, "Why are we shooting so many threes, Right? When really you should be asking yourself, "What can the Lakers do to get better rhythm that would lead to that three?" Or you know, if it's an open three, is it a is a is it a rhythmic problem that you know he hasn't developed? The shooter hasn't developed rhythm in the in, you know in the midst of the game, leading up to that shot that might lead to to the poor shot attempt. You know, when it should be a good one.
1: And the other thing too, and this is uh, I you I appreciate you putting some like real thought and trying to <laughs> figure out what could actually be going wrong into this analysis. But on some level. I mean, the Lakers, the, their shooters are just going like they're just going to make shots eventually. Mm-hmm. You, you would think if these guys are the shooters that we think that they are. Like Lou Williams is shooting the lights out from three, thirty-eight point five percent, but everybody else is like league average or below. Like D'Angelo Russell shooting thirty-five point four on six attempts a game. Nick Young six point four threes a game, shooting thirty-five point three percent from the from behind the arc. Uh, Lou Dang shooting just 31.8%. He's a better three-point shooter than that, I think, for his career. Jordan Clarkson is really, like, ice cold to start the year. He had that big one against the Suns the other night off of the Randall assist, but he's only making 29.2% of his threes. Brandon Ingram has been abysmal. He's shooting 23.5% from three. And so, I mean, you just go through those numbers and most of those guys, as the year goes on, that's going to tick upward, you would think. If, the, if those guys are the players the Lakers think they are, those shooting percentages are going to tick upward a little bit. Yep.
0: And, and,
1: yeah, I'm, and the just, Lakers have generated, they're one of the highest teams in the league as far as getting open shots. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the
0: thing also. That was the other thing that I was going to talk about. The fact that they're getting so many open shots, it's not like... You know, it would sometimes frustrate me when when Kobe would say, "Yeah, I, I well, no, I won't say Kobe." Remember, you watched The Office, right, Harrison? Yes. Remember that in season one of The Office when they play the they play the warehouse guys basketball down there in, in the in the warehouse. Yeah, and and one of my favorite parts of that scene was Steve Carell's. You know, he took some shot from like thirty feet out and throws it over the backboard somehow, or something like that, or clangs it off of the backboard, and he turns around and he screams, what is wrong with me? What's the matter with me? I usually make these, you know, kind of thing. And, and you know, if I was rooting for whatever team Steve Carell played on there, I'd be a little worried because that shot's just never going to go in. It's just not a good shot. But with the Lakers taking good shots consistently, that would lead you to believe that eventually good shots are going to go in. They just they they tend to. You know, it's not like it's not like they're taking step back fade away three pointers at the ends of shot clocks that you you really can't rely on uh, to to build your offense around.
1: Yeah, and so here's here's a fun stat for you if you're wondering if you're wondering if this is legit and the Lakers are actually just missing shots or if there's a deeper cause here. Uh, the Lakers have missed the most, wi- the highest percentage of most wi- of wide open shots in the league, with defenders six plus feet or more away, wide open as classified. That's, uh, NBA's that's NBA.com's That's NBA. dot com's classification of wide open. Excuse me. Uh, the Lakers are shooting twenty nine point seven percent on those shots.
0: Yeah. What's do, do you have in front of you? I mean, I can't imagine you do, but I would imagine percentage on that. You know, league average on open shots would probably be closer to 40 right well so if we
1: go to around the 15 the 15th team they're at 38.8 percent. it looks like the bucks are right about in the middle i'm not counting exactly but Mm -hmm. like right around that middle is 38.8 39 like yeah so teams generally shoot a little bit better on those what's what's the best team in the NBA shooting for open shots you'll never guess which team is shooting the best on open shots Mm, take a guess is it the memphis grizzlies that would be hilarious, but no. <laughs> that would be actually funnier. But it is the New York Knicks, no the not way. <laughs> the not running enough triangle New York Knicks shooting fifty two point five percent on wide open shots.
0: <laughs> I thought you were I thought you were being serious there, and you were saying like the Warriors were the obvious guess, but okay.
1: No, I would just I, I would just
0: imagine they aren't shooting very many open Warriors shots. The Warriors are like.
1: shooting thirty six point six percent on open shots, so Look out league when they start hitting. <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh yeah. Goodness.
0: Anywho, but, but yes, I would say I would say watch for that number as the Lakers season goes along. They're shooting, you know, 29 whatever it is. 29.7% like I think is what you said. Yeah. Watch watch for that number as it creeps up to, you know, the 35, 36 and eventually into the 40s. The offense will but really be clicking. You just have to up. hope that they specifically to- on
1: it's even worse on just threes. They're shooting 23.4% on wide-open threes. That's not great. <laughs> yeah. So you would have to think that that's going to bounce up a little bit. Right. And,
0: and you know, the key here is to hope that the Lakers continue to generate wide-open shots, right? Eventually, the league is going to have more tape on them, and they'll be able to, you know, they'll, they'll make adjustments to limit the number of Wide open shots the Lakers are making, but the they're ho-
1: actually they're they're the sixth worst team in the league as far as generating wide open shots. It's only fifteen point nine percent of their shots. Huh. Uh, I thought that was higher. It you, it was higher earlier in the year. It's dropped since then. So gotcha. Okay. So I wasn't I wasn't crazy. So the teams are figuring out the tape.
0: <laughs> well, but that's what we talked about, right? Is that you know if the defense is a little bit ahead of a team with a brand new system. Learning to make those counter punches offensively is going to lead to to more wide open shots.
1: Yeah, they were, you know, know, they're going to start to look fluid in their first sets, but then teams are going to be at the same time mapping out those first sets. And so the Lakers are going to have to be ready with, you know, the, the left hook. Yep, absolutely.
0: Uh, Alright, so that does it for turnovers and three-point shooting. Both things, again, the, the purpose of this podcast is to get a little bit more real with the Lakers, but also provide you with reason to believe that the Lakers can still get better, right? That these things are all fixable. And finally, the last uh, item on our list is maturity. And look, as, as much as Luke Walton, you know, he praised the Lakers for beating the Suns after beating the Warriors – uh, citing that, you know, after after a big game like that, the team can kind of get kind of hungover and, and lackadaisical and and happy, rest on their laurels. They did not don't, do that. Don't
1: mistake hungover with the Warriors' performance against the Lakers. <laughs> they, we're, we're talking about like a victory hangover, not like a literal one.
0: Although, uh, the Lakers are getting a little older. There might be an, a literal hangover sometimes. It happens.
1: I, I'm not going to comment on that. Probably smart. The... Maturity
0: issue though, uh, I actually, I, I have kind of a funny story here, uh, Kirk, uh, Kirk Serious Face, at Kirk Serious Face on Twitter, writes for Mavs Moneyball, and he is out there in, in Dallas, and he roots for the Dallas Mavericks, and in a DM conversation that he and I had, he basically said like, you know, don't worry, the the Lakers are about to smoke my Mavericks, and I told him well, let's let's take it easy there. I'm not quite ready to just call this a win because the Lakers hadn't quite had that, oh, yeah, that's right, they're supposed to suck and they're young kind of games, right, that they, they wound up having against the Mavericks. And that, to me, feels like a, a positive in the long run. It reminds them that, oh, yeah, that's right, every single night we have to come out here and play the way that it takes to win basketball g- games in, in the NBA. So, you know, while that the Dallas game sucked, watching it was really frustrating. That's the kind of thing that actually you, you kind of need to pop up every so often with a young team. And maturity is something that is going to continue to build as the season goes along.
1: Yeah, and it also, uh, I thought, it was interesting that that led to our first, uh, you know, for those of you keeping track at home, that was our first soft mention uh, in a press conference by a Lakers coach of 2016. <laughs> Made it eight games into the season, but soft watch 2016 has officially begun. And we're, we're, the counter is at one. That That's kind of like that.
0: What's that thing uh, that always says? You know, days since last mistake, or day yeah, since days last since
1: la- days since somebody was called soft.
0: <laughs> yeah. we, we were, we re- were upset.
1: That counter to zero. That was that was. The, it's right above the uh, the press conference room when you walk in. They uh, they had to flip that little ticker. So sad day. We, yeah, th- it was it was sad day. They they had made it quite a few days without an incident, but it, you know, it happened. And, 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 differences this year. Julius Randall agreed also called the team soft, whereas last year they, they there would be those press conferences and they'd be like, so, you know, the, the coach called you soft. What do you guys think of that? No, I don't really think that was the issue tonight. I think it was... <laughs> Did that actually happen? Please tell me oh, that actually happened. Yeah, that happened like almost every single time that they were called soft or they were said that they didn't want to win or, you know, whatever platitudes they were accused of lacking. Uh, generally... It, it, Russell or and and or several of the other young players would kind of politely disagree with that evaluation. That's tremendous. Man, That's you really don't read. That is amazing. Well, I also don't remember. That's true. Yeah, that might actually be more of the issue here. Mm hmm. That's that's awesome though. <laughs> Dang it, I wish so, I would remember that. But yeah, so this year this immaturity... year the players even agree with the coach when he criticizes them. That's like the biggest testament I think that you can give to Luke. They're like, Yeah, you know what? We did suck. <laughs> well they did. I love so, Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, they, they played hey, they, they played was a fair the evaluation. They they played the Mavericks without Dirk, without Darren Williams. There really was no reason. They played them at home. They were well rested. There was no reason they should have lost that game. They just, they played like crap. They played like young kids who who just didn't have it that night.
1: And Harrison Barnes went off in his continuing, I'm going to show the Warriors that they picked the wrong small forward revenge tour. (laughs) I'm pulling for Harry B., I, I like How him. funny would it be if he ended up having, like, an amazing year, like a better statistical year than Durant? I know Durant's probably going to get less opportunities, but that would be, like, the best thing to happen this year.
0: Yeah, it would be up there. It That would be up there with the 3-1 jokes.
1: And, like, if Bogut, like, somehow rebounded. Yeah. Like, from his kind of rough start to the season and Seth Curry turned out to be the better Curry brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that last one's probably the most unlikely, but it would be funny.
0: I, I don't think that last one's happening. Although Just they're shooting
1: like fifty percent on pull up threes.
0: <laughs> Seth actually broke Steph's ankles tonight. Like he made Steph roll his ankle tonight on on uh, playing
1: defense against
0: his, his little brother. Did
1: you see that's, that? That uh, as someone who's had their younger brother do that to them, that's brutal. It's hard to get past that one.
0: <laughs> I I do think the Warriors wound up winning, so I think he rebounded. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so about the Lakers' maturity and and we'll wrap up after this it's intangible it's hard to see it's one of those things that it only pops up in moments where you're really looking for it right when it's really obvious like in the Mavericks game that that yeah that's they are still really young they are they they are still going to pull this kind of stuff because they are really young but I still have great faith that the Lakers are going to, you know, like you said, they, they caught to, they agreed with Luke when he said that they didn't play very well, right? And that's something that a, a immature
1: team would not do. There's just like an unbelievable level of buy-in for this coach that there just was not before. And I think that that's kind of the biggest reason to have faith right now. Absolutely. So
0: again, we... The purpose of the show, like I've said a few times now, was these are things that you know. These are reasons why we aren't willing to call the Lakers, you know, championship contenders, you know, playoff contenders, whatever. There are reasons why this Lakers team is still going to be in the the thirty range in terms of wins, you know, and that would be a good season. These are these are reasons why, but that doesn't mean that. We don't believe in them to improve on what they've done so far this year, or or continue to improve as this year and years go along.
1: Yeah, and and they're just going to keep getting better. Like uh, the, I think the key word there is years. This year, this year's a throwaway year. This is the year where they just we, you really. I, I talked about this. I went on uh a, I went on the iHeart Basketball podcast earlier today. You guys should check that out. It was a fun listen. Um. And we were talking about this is the year where you just you don't even look at the box score you just go by the eye test and you see if they look like they're playing better like like the stats as much as we reference the stats tonight ultimately it, it, this year it, it, the results don't matter it, it, this year this year if as long as guys look like they're playing better the whole year is a moral victory right
0: and as frustrating as that might be to hear we've heard that this is now the third year in a row where we're hearing that. I, I, I this grant, year we might
1: actually get the moral victory, though. So right. that's the biggest difference.
0: I, I grant. I grant. Anybody listening who's kind of rolling their eyes at us right now and saying, "Gosh, another throwaway year." At what point does this end? The hope is that this is the last one, and they need to take these big. They need to take a, a pretty big stride forward this year, so that next year you can actually have expectations with this team, so that next year is definitely not a throwaway year. And the stuff that we talked about. Luke trying to figure out how best to coach this team, veterans like Lu Waltang finding their way, statistical stuff, the turnovers, the shooting, all that stuff getting better as the year goes along, and finally, even though it's intangible, their maturity getting better in terms of of understanding what it takes to be successful in the NBA. So long as they go along this and an extended check, you know, check list that's how you know at the end of the year that it was a successful year even if they wind up in that 30 whatever range so long as you can look at stuff that you that, that we talked about and that they you know the, the Lakers actually talk about cuz i guarantee you their list is much longer than this so long as they at the end of the year you can actually look and you, you know you can ask the question did they improve here 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 and here that's how you know like okay the franchise is going in the right direction Let's keep this rolling.
1: 100% agreed. All right,
0: so that does it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. We greatly appreciate you guys tuning in every day. We are here to talk with this stuff about you. Uh, this was an interesting podcast. The Lakers actually play, I believe, today, right? When If you're listening to this, t- you know, on, on I think it's
1: on Thursday. Then, Thursday. yes, they play. they play tonight against the Sacramento Kings, I believe. Yep. So uh, we will be live. Let's, let's double check that real quick. Probably but should. since We're so uh, yeah, since we're so on top of things. But where can people find the show?
0: So you can find the show on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, and today's fast break. Make sure you're using that promo code on SeatGeek to get your twenty dollars rebate on that first purchase. We keep getting uh, mentions, people saying that they're using it on whatever they're using it for, send us that stuff. That's that's great to see as well. We really appreciate hearing about that. We're trying to help you guys out and and continue to help uh SeatGeek
1: out. Uh who do
0: they play tonight,
1: Harrison? They play the Kings and this should be a fun one. National televised game on TNT. So we get to hear my Kings minority owner, uh Shaq, talk about, you know, How much better the Kings look than the Lakers. And uh, we get to hear Charles Barkley's Laker hot takes, I think, for probably the first time this season. So uh, I look forward to them complaining about this team being on national TV the whole game. Can't wait. Oh, and it's the late West Coast game, so that means we probably get Reggie Miller too. Oh, joy. Can't wait. You guys should just tune in anyway, but so that you know what we're talking about when we do the postgame show afterwards. mm -hmm. But if you keep your volume low, nobody's going to uh, nobody's going to judge you for that.
0: You can mute it and pretend that we're being sarcastic about the Lakers in the background.
1: That's also fun. Just play this podcast again. Yeah.
0: Over (laughs) and over and over. (laughs) We'll talk to everybody after the Lakers
1: hopefully beat the Kings and get back to their winning ways. Oh, you called your shot. All right. Lakers are going to beat the Kings. You heard it here first on Locked On Lakers. Hot Take Central. That's what
0: we are we are sponsored by Flaming Hot Cheetos. Not yet, but but come on, Flaming Hot Working Cheetos on. help us out. We uh we will talk to everybody like I said after the game. Have a good night. Day or night, whenever you're listening. Thanks Anthony. Shouts to Bill Hewitt.